0: Lead me to some soul today, oh teach me. Welcome everyone to episode to number say. 35 of a series of episodes called Leading Others to Christ. During these episodes, we're going to be focused on evangelism. One of our goals, and we have several, but is to, to use a Bible thought uh, to stir us up to love and good works, but particularly in the area of reaching our family or friends and our neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker. I'm, I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Franklin is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis, and that'll give you a, a visual there of where we are. Those of you that know me know that, uh, that I'm passionate about Our topic. I'm passionate about evangelism. I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in in Owensboro, Kentucky. And ever since then, I've been striving to to learn more about this. Uh, And again, to use some Bible phrases, uh, striving to teach others, to sow the seed, to fish, to be a fisher of men and women, uh, to make disciples, to persuade men and women. And, and to teach others to teach, and I've, I've mentioned this, I think, in every episode. But I really like what Paul said to Timothy in Second Timothy two two, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously and women who will be able to teach others also. And then later on in the chapter, he talks. He uses the phrase uh, that we are to be useful for the master. I really like that. That's that's a that's that's a whole other topic, but it's related to this, but to, to be useful for the master prepared for every good work. So I came up with this idea of, well, who are the ones that are doing this? Who are the men and women? Who are the fellow workers out there that are involved in reaching others and leading others to Christ? And once we identify who they are, to interview them. And we wanted to learn more about them, who they are, why they are so motivated to lead others to Christ, how they're doing their work where they're currently working so that's, that brings us to today and we're so excited today to have someone with us that i'm confident that we can learn a lot from i've said this every time too be sure and get out your uh unless you're driving down the road listening uh get out paper and pen here and make some notes uh, our guest today is david cox welcome david thank you appreciate the opportunity to be on the program with you yes sir uh, david and i met Oh, just a few years ago at the lectures, uh, there in Athens, Alabama, the truth lectures. And, uh, we found out we had several things in common and, uh, but, uh, David works with the, uh, market street church of Christ there in Athens. And, and David, the way we start all of these out to get, uh, because there's people out there that, that don't know you or that maybe they've heard your name. And, uh, I call it the, it's like the old elevator pitch, uh, and uh, or a short bio. Would you uh, bring everybody up to speed? Tell us where you were born, uh, maybe how old you were when you obeyed the gospel and, and what you're doing now. Just kind of bring everybody. Well, who is David Cox? Okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. My father uh, was a preacher and he was preaching at that time in the uh, Fifth Avenue Church in Bessemer years ago. Uh, and then as a boy, we moved to Virginia. Oh, my father preached at West End. Uh, So we lived in Richmond, Virginia, for a number of years. Moved back to Alabama when I was in school age. uh, Lived in Russellville, uh, Alabama, which is my father preached there for a number of years while I was through high school, and then went to college. uh, Went to the University of North Alabama in Florence and graduated there with a degree in management. Started work. uh, Moved to Marshall County, Alabama. Was working with a lead company. uh, Worked with Intergraph Corporation during. The eight years that we were in Marshall County, uh, Mary, I worked with my wife, Carrie, uh, about the time I moved to Marshall County, and we were members of the North Parkway Church. It was at that time I started preaching. Of course, I was working secular work, preaching uh, on occasions there in the church at North Parkway. Did that for about eight years, bulletin work, going and trying to visit with people. And then I thought, you know, I'm trying to do two things and I can't do effectively <laughs> anything I really want to do. Opportunity came to uh, go into full-time preaching. We moved to Anderson, Alabama, and uh, spent about 13 and a half years in Anderson. That would be about halfway between Athens and Florence, uh, if you're familiar with Alabama. And then after that time, uh, Market Street Church was looking for a preacher. So I moved here, and that was in 2008, and been here 12 years. And um, Athens is situated within State 65 right on the interstate. And, um, so I've been here, I preach here for to market street. I work with church here. I also teach Bible at Athens Bible school is a Bible school. And, uh, I teach freshman Bible there and I coach uh, girl's basketball there in the school. And so they keep you uh, busy doing that, but it's a hour in the morning that I have in Bible and chapel with 14, 15 year old children. And, uh, a number of them are members of the church, but there are about probably a third or to half that are not. And so there's opportunities to teach
0: there, and it's really an opportunity for us. Well, that's uh that that's a lot of stuff. You've been a busy guy. Oh uh, it's life. <laughs> but it's life. And, but you know, you, you said well you uh you were I gotta pick on you a little bit. Uh, you you said that you were doing too many things and you had to get kind of settled down and so now you got it settled down. You're uh, preaching and teaching and coaching. <laughs> you you slowed down a lot, haven't you? Uh, it's just yeah, different. Really. Yeah, different yeah. Diff- different focus and uh, uh, and we really appreciate what you do. And uh, yeah, look how long we could just talk about the the kids that you're teaching there in that freshman Bible class. I mean, look look at look at what we could and the things that you've learned and experienced by doing that. You know uh, let, Let's do this. I, you, you talked about the things that you've done and, and you're doing, and, and I appreciate you doing that, but I've often found it fascinating to ask people why. Yeah, why 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 are you doing what you're doing? Why is David Cox so interested in spiritual things? Why is David so motivated to uh, lead others to Christ? Why, David? Well, it's about eternity.
1: There was a guy who asked, he says a Fortune 500 company at the time, and he asked me, he said, why would you leave a corporation like that to start preaching? And I said, because anybody can go out here and work in a company and work in whatever area. In my area was in uh, reproduction and uh, the corporation. there. I said, but anybody can do that job. But their souls are out here. They're going to spend an eternity somewhere. And that's really what's important. You know, pushing computers and making parts and selling computers and the marketing aspect of things, that's that's just life, that's business, everybody's got to do a job, <laughs> that's right. But there was something about, you know, when I'm sitting here and I'm working and I'm going and trying to see people and I'm thinking, well, I've got to go to do this work. And I'm thinking, man, I need to be busy doing what I can to try to get into the lives of these people. You know, these people need to be seen and they—and it just takes time and, and you know, working, and evangelizing and I think a lot of that's based on my philosophy and that is that you know people don't really want to know what you know until they know really about how much you care about it so they're they're gonna have to be it's got to be a relationship that's built there and that that takes some time I mean some people come in and every conversion is different of course but but some people come in and and they're just ready and you teach them they're just right they're ready but sometimes uh, people are very, very standoffish. They, they kind of, and I see that a lot at this day and time, they don't really want they want to make sure you're really who you say you are and you're about what you say you're about before they really open up to you. And, and I think uh, I've seen a lot of that and, but that takes time. And so that's why I would give my life to preaching full
0: time. that Well, uh, and we're glad that you, uh, that you made that decision uh, you know, uh Again, uh, and I told you it would happen this way, the things that you say, but just having the patience uh, to teach others. Like you say, everybody's different. Everybody has a different educational level. They're all coming from a different place. They've all had good, bad, and ugly experiences. <laughs> and uh, uh, and here they're now they're sitting down in front of you and me and, and listening again. And that trust factor is just so huge. And it does, uh, and sometimes... People think, well, just, you know, here's a script and you just go in and teach this and and, and every time just go by the script and uh, when it's done, it's done. But it's not that way, right? You have to, like you say, you have to develop relationships and help understand the people and help, help, help bring them along. It's like baby steps, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Tell us about, I remember hearing this years ago, some unique things about, it's Limestone County, right? Mm-hmm. Limestone County. See a lot of people don't know uh, about Alabama, just like they don't know about Indiana or Kentucky or you know we know a little bit. but there's some some unique stories about uh, the church in Limestone County. we talked about that a little bit. Share a little bit of that. You know what I'm talking about, I think. Yeah.
1: Where's Limestone County, the church here at Market Street um, is one of the older churches, of course it began in 1884, the church here in Athens. There are actually some churches in the county that are probably older. Um, some of them are not in existence now. No, it had its ups and downs through the 18, early 1900s. But in 1937, uh, A.J. Rollins moved to the county here to work and he began work with Market Street. And he was one, he and Irvin Lee and Lee Fudge were very instrumental starting the Athens Bible School. And that was in 1943. But in 1940, Brother Rollins wrote an article about the work in Limestone County. At that time, he said there were 4,000 Christians in Limestone County. and At that time, the population of Limestone County was 16,000 people. That meant 25% of the people in the county in 1940 were members of the church. And, of course, this was done because of tent meetings and, and just a lot of evangelistic work that was being done in the county. Of course, as work goes, you know, populations grow and churches decline. And so today it's not, I wish it was still 25%, but the county now is about a population of 100,000, but our number of people that are associated with Churches of Christ, and this would probably be in a broader sense, is probably about 8% of the population. It would probably be, you know, 7,000. You know, I don't even know if it would be 8,000, but it would be somewhere in that 7,000 a Number, and so when you look at that, you start thinking there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, churches, and and this is true of limestone county, it's true everywhere probably, and that is that churches, in many cases, are in decline. You know, uh, in the in the in the in the you know 60s, churches of Christ were the fastest growing group, religious group, uh, and today that's not the case. I read articles, and I read them time to time. Uh, you know, even the institutional brother who decry the idea of what's happening to our churches, and 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 the and the thing is, is a lot of us got to go back to evangelism. Do we really believe that the gospel is a power of God to salvation? You know, we, we've got to we've got to get that understood. That is the power, and so so I think well, institutional brother, that may be kind of they, they want to go toward things of of let's feed them, let's let's you know play with them, let's do all these things. And then, then we'll teach them. And I think that may be a, a move in a wrong direction, obviously. But I think sometimes we kind of tend to think and fall into this idea, well, they're not interested in hearing the gospel. But what I find is there are people who are very interested in hearing the gospel. Yes. But you've just got to find those people.
0: Well, I was reading an article the other day, and uh, I can't remember, uh, somebody sent it to me, and uh, I can't remember, uh, shouldn't even bring it up since I can't remember who wrote it, but um, but it was actually, it was kind of a, uh, interesting, it got my attention because it was a fellow that was bemoaning the fact if that's the right way to say it, or he would, it was something, the title, it was something that he longed for the church of Christ of his youth. And this was an older fellow than he was, he was thinking back about during those times when, when so much activity was going on and so much growth. And he that's he was that's where he was just kind of like, what's happened here? There's uh, so I just thought that was interesting where he's saying he was longing for the church of his youth. So it kind of goes along a little bit of what the story that you're telling there about. But yeah, if you took the if you had one hundred thousand and eight thousand are Christians, that's like ninety two. I'm not a good math person. Ninety two percent are not Christians. Right. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, look at the, you know, you say, well, there's no opportunity. You go, come on. <laughs> it's like, look, uh, there's all they're everywhere. Right. There's people to teach everywhere. Yeah. And, and and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this, David, is that uh, I've seen that I'm 74 and I've seen a lot of changes in the, in the church since I became a Christian, when, as I said, when I was 21. And um, and then, you know, I've lived in different parts of the country like you have and, and the church is different in different areas, uh, the interviews that we've done. I've interviewed people from that are working in New York, in the state of Washington, in California, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, North, South Carolina. And there's, the church is the same, obviously, but the environment where the work's being done is, is uh, in some cases, uh, dramatically different. And so I'm finding that interesting. So the things that you would run into there in Athens or I would run into here in Franklin, Indiana, uh, would be totally different than what's going on in uh, Harlem, New York, or in, in Los Angeles, California, and uh, the backgrounds and all the experiences. But, you know, the uh, it's, it, again, a reason why I want to do this is why? Why is this going Why are churches declining? Um uh, why are churches closing their doors? Why are people not being taught? And that's what I want to get at with it. Part of what I want to get at with this is, again, like I said, to try to stir us up and say, look, uh, we're, we're, uh, we've got a responsibility here and uh, maybe we've lost our focus. You think we have? you think we've lost our focus? Well, I think that's
1: a, a real problem. Even in the first century, you know, you go back and you look at, you look at the writings of Paul, you look at the Hebrew letter, and you just see how many at times they're admonitions to people to remember to be stirred up, you know, yeah. what we're talking. About. And so, so it's a it's a real problem I think that just humans generally have is being able to lose focus of what they ought to be focused on. And then the writers are saying, you know, don't forget the focus. I mean, Hebrew writer says, remember, look to Jesus, the altar and finisher of faith. Well, you know, they were they were right there in the first century. I mean, how how hard would it be to remember Jesus when you he lived in the century in which he lived. But yet here they are, they they're they're losing sight of that. And and I think for us it's the same thing. We got so many things uh you know you talk about time. I mean one uh, an issue of time is, is an issue with people. You know, getting somebody to be able to sit down and, and they're entrusting you with a, with probably the most valuable asset they have and that's time. And if I'm gonna sit down and talk to them they will make sure that hey I'm talking to somebody I'm giving some time. I'm that's a valuable commodity. I mean, I think if what people have is the biggest commodity they have is time, and they probably are less ready to give that up. Sometimes, so somebody walks in the building here at Market Street, walks off the street. We don't know I in mean, a visitor. I don't know who they are. I mean, that person really needs to be, and, and the people here embrace that. I mean, the church here, the, the brethren here, embrace those people when they come in off the street, because they are people. We we don't know who they are, but they've made the effort to come here to be here at services. Now. Sometimes we may find out they've got a background, in church. They may not have any background in church. They may be members of the church. We don't know till we, till we talk with them. A lot of times about church growth, and we'll start saying, Oh, well, the church needs to grow. And and, and I think that's kind of a mindset that we want the church to grow, and we quit making disciples. I yes. think that's 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 a problem. And so, but when you start talking about church growth, then we start thinking about well, we will not get the right kind of convert. And so then we start classifying people, and so we say, Well, that visitor walks in well that's not really the one we're looking for but the very one that walks in that you're not looking for may be the very one you need because this right. the very one's going to have the open heart and, and people change and then again there's some things I may sit there and say that's not the kind of convert we need then
0: we do need that convert he's right. just not like me but we still need him can you uh, that's so good I, I mean this is an old illustration but I wanted everybody to be familiar with uh, can you imagine in uh, uh, in Damascus after Paul saw after he becomes a Christian and he shows up there and they had the word was out. He was there, he was going to be there to arrest them. And he shows up saying that Jesus really is the Christ. Can you imagine how they looked at each other and going, what? We don't want we don't want him in here. It looks, we don't need know, him. <laughs> you know, we don't want him. You know, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, it, it's just fascinating. Um, all right. In the lectureship that I had mentioned earlier, uh, the Truth Lectures in 2015, you talked about uh, what could be done to, uh, to help the growth uh, or help new converts mature. And, and I, I see that as a huge problem, too, because in a lot of congregations, if you say what kind of a new converts class you have, they look at you like they don't, they don't have any idea what you're talking about. Well, they don't have a new converts class because they're not out in the community trying to teach somebody and the ones that obey the gospel are the children and well, they've got classes for them. And uh, so just real quick, I know we're about out of time, but how, how important is it to help that new Christian grow? That's that's even almost a silly question, but it's so overlooked, I think.
1: Oh, it is. I I think what we do is we tend to convert somebody and what we want to and I don't think we really do this intentionally, but I think we can convert the person, we baptize them. And then after we baptize them, we kind of say, okay, we've got that one. Let's go to the next one. And we just kind of put them on a shelf and think, well, they're going to get it. And I don't, I don't know that we understand the process of conversion is something that takes a lot of time. And just because we bring somebody in and we baptize them, that they've got all the answers figured out and they're going to make all the right choices. And they're not. And, and they're going to need people there, and, and then there needs to be those people who will nurture those new converts. Maybe the people who will be there from day by day, who will see to it that hey, when you're when you're struggling with an issue, I mean you you come out of the world and you're in in the in the church now. You're trying to make the right decisions. How am I going to do that? I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about a situation here recently we've had where you've got a convert, and and their their the husband and the family. But everybody in the family is not in, involved. You know, right. the, the wife's not sure about this, and 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 the, so there's a daily struggle with that. How, how do you deal with that? How how do you how do you make sure that person is not just left out? And and, and it's so oftentimes we say, "Well, I hadn't seen him in a while." Well, if you need have you talked to them? Have you called them? Have you? Well, no, I haven't. Well, you we need to be doing that. That that needs to be a ongoing daily. But really, it ought to be almost the culture of the environment we have within the churches is that we have that nurturing
0: uh, environment there. I like the way you said that uh, culture uh, that's come up several times uh, in some of the interviews of uh, one fellow said it was their the his, that congregation where he was, it's the, in their DNA uh, or it's in their culture. And that, that when I hear that, that tells me that they talk about it, they preach about it, the importance of re- leading others to Christ. And, uh, and everybody's got their, everybody's alert when visitors come in. Uh, uh, everybody's excited when they hear that studies are being done. Uh, uh, I don't know who said this, but I use it a lot, is that we need to have joy in the sowing. We have, we have joy when somebody uh, obeys the gospel, but we need to have joy in that sowing process. And uh, that, that, because we know with, with God's help, and it's not going to happen without God's help, but we know where that can lead. But yeah, the new converts, uh, they, they need, uh, they need. I mean, that's the, the Bible calls them babes in Christ for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and babes, babies need help. You have to be held and they're going to cry and they're going to make messes. And <laughs> it, it, but we need to remember that. And sometimes we forget that too. Like you said, we expect people that come up out of the water, they're a mature Christian, and that's just not going to happen. Uh, yeah. And that's
1: the, it it takes, it takes time and they need that nurturing. And I, I believe that's one of the biggest things that we need to make sure we do. I've thought about churches just in my circle, my work, uh, through the years when I hear about people who, well, they used to go to church there and they were converted and they went there for a while and they've left, they've become unfaithful. I just think if we had all who become unfaithful back in churches, what would our churches be like how full would our buildings be some buildings that are small i mean i i would think just in limestone county in my environment right here that we could fill buildings up with people
0: who oh, just, I would, oh yeah you know,
1: yeah
0: and, and we don't think about that either we think sometimes uh, every one of these is a whole interview but it's like if somebody falls away or whatever terms they use or, or they leave uh, it's like, well, goodbye or whatever. But there, like you say, there's, there's very, sometimes there's very little effort to reach out to them and try to get with them and, and find out what happened and see what you can do to help. And then somehow to stay in touch with them because there might be some ruffled feathers right now, but year or two down the road, their lives change and, and, and uh, at least they know you still care if you've stayed, tried to stay in touch with them. But all right. I got two things I want to try to squeeze in here. Tell us a conversion story of of one that comes to mind. Somebody you studied with, and I know. I, just to mention this, I know you've done quite a bit of work in the West Indies too, right?
1: Um, uh, yeah, I've I've done in Barbados and Grenada, and uh, uh, well, there's one recently that was there. There was a a young man in the uh, in uh, Grenada who uh, he come in contact with the church there uh, that I've worked with. It would be a, um, he would be a member of the International Church of Christ. And um, he came in contact and began studies. And so uh, during the pandemic, the preacher told me about this and said, I want you to join in on our studies. So, so I did. And so we studied together and had some Zoom sessions and um, those all went well. And uh, of course, then he got his girlfriend, his fiance, she had never been obedient to us, but she'd never been involved in the church at all. Of he having the international church background was a little different, uh, too. But, of course, they've gone far field, uh, from the truth, and he understood that. He understood there was a difference, although there were similarities, he felt like. But he always told us in, in studies afterwards, I was talking with a preacher there, and he said, uh, he said it was always the idea when I would ask a question, he said, your brother Cox would always go back to the Bible. Your answers would always go back to the Bible. And, I, and, I've, and I've thought about that. Now, his story is interesting because he he came out of that background, and what was he going to do? I mean, a lot of people say, well, he's already been baptized, he's, and he had. But when he had decided he was going to be a part of the church, he told the preacher that he said, I want to make this a new start. He said, I want to make sure I'm doing what's right. He said, the guy who baptized me, what I do? He said, I just immediately followed him because he took off with the National Church crisis, so I did too. He said, I wasn't really following the Bible. I was following a man. He said, I want to go back to the Bible. And so, so I think he was impressed with that. I think his girlfriend uh, was impressed with that. Then I think of other you know, environments. I've, I'm thinking of one uh, lady, a young lady that we had that was married a member of the church where I was at. She came, she's visiting, we were trying to have studies with her. She, she had some surgery on her mouth and couldn't talk for a while. So one day I told her, I said, uh, I want to come over and talk to you. And so he said, sure. And I went over, I talked to her, and I said, uh, I just would like you to tell me about your conversion. I said, because, I mean, she'd been coming for a while. She was a member of the denomination. Her way just kind of flowed in and just kind of, I'm just going to be a part of the Church of Christ. And I said, we need to make sure we've got this clear. And so I, she'd been coming for a little while with him, and we talked some. And I said, I just want you to tell me about when when you obeyed the gospel, you know. When you were a young lady, and so she started telling me all about her conversion experience, and um, of course she went through it, and I was just sitting there listening. And um, when she told about how she was, you know, went up and they prayed for it, and then they baptized her, and this was, and I, and I just said, "Was it the same day?" And she said, "No, it was the next week." And I didn't say a word. I just sat there right. for a minute while she thought. She says, I know I should have been baptized immediately. I should have been baptized then. I said, so so what was your condition between the time that you went forward and they prayed for you and said you were saved and you were baptized? And why were you baptized? And she sat there and she said, well, I was baptized to join the church. I said, so what about your sins? She said, I had my sins still with me. I think, you know, the fact is, is that, that's a that's a case in point again of 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 patience and teaching. Yeah. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, because, you know, what we want to do is I want to sit there and say, you know, you're lost. You know, I, I could have told her that six months before. <laughs> you're in a situation that's not right. But I've, she's got to come to see that. She, she's grown up. Her family environment was such. And actually, when she came, there was a prejudice against the church in her family. And I knew we were dealing with some prejudice. And, and and in that case, I'm sitting there thinking, what do you do? How, how hard do you push this? And I thought, I believe she's going to have to see it on her own. And, and she did. She, she that that very, I mean, it was just immediately, she said, I need to be baptized. I said, we can do it right now. She said, okay, let's go. And so she went over the phone, called her mother and daddy and said, I'm going up to church. We're gonna, I'm going to be baptized. If y'all want to be there, y'all can come. And I thought, what a step yeah. for her to do that. Knowing the background with her family. And I and I and I think about that. And I, you know, every I mean, I can just go through their, their other stories. Every conversion has their stories, but but that was one to me that just when we when we've been talking about the idea of conversion taking time and patience, that's one that I just think about a lot. But I mean, here that is. 20 years ago <laughs> now has been doing, and here she is just faithful today, serving. You know, I think that's what you have to do. And she had that family, the nurturing background that was there with her to help her through that, too.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that. And uh, one last thing I, I, I always close every one of them out with one thing. Somebody's listening to this and they realize that that they have lost their focus and they need to get involved again and get engaged uh, uh, in this whole process. If somebody approached you and said, David, what do I need? What's one thing? There's more than one thing, but what's one thing that I need to do or one thing I need to learn how to do to lead others to Christ? What would you say?
1: Look for the opportunities in front of you. Look for the opportunities in front of you. There are opportunities out there every day they're not always going to be at the same time, same place, but don't go through your life and then say, oh, there was an opportunity back there. See the opportunities when they're there. Begin to be observant. There are things that happen in life, and and you're sitting in a hospital, you're sitting in a doctor's office, you're sitting at the ball field, you're sitting around, but there are people that are sitting there and they're, and, they're, and they're talking about something. They bring up something. Don't be afraid to stop and say, well, you know what? It really helps me when I go to Bible class. Don't you know? Bring up God. Uh, you know, somebody's struggling with the children, and say, "Man, I tell you what." I said, "I've had I've had the same struggle with my children." But you know what? I tell you what, the Bible classes really have a whole lot. You know, turn their attention, and 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 see if you can open up that avenue. Uh, I think we just kind of sit there and say, "Yeah, my kids are misbehaving; they're bad," and then we say, "Yeah, I tell you what, kids are bad," and, and we just kind of jump into that category. And we yeah. really forget if they weren't being instructed and, and they should go. And, and I think that's something we need
0: to say. So. That's good. That's good. Well, listen, brother, thank you again. It's great to see you. And uh, it's good because I know you now better than I did from this that first little time we met and talked. But uh, really appreciate the work that you're doing and keep it up. And, huh? uh, and uh, what's your wife's name? My wife is Carrie. Uh, my Carrie. Wife-
1: and i have two sons tyler and hunter
0: both of them are
1: married and so i've got two daughters now too so well, good
0: good well i know uh, uh and everybody that's involved in leading others to christ there's a reason it's called personal work because it is work and it does take a lot of time but the the, the spouse and the kids and the, they all have to understand that because they're a big part of the whole process as well so uh, just uh, keep up the good work that you guys are doing there in athens and uh uh, Lord willing, we'll see you again soon. So thanks again, David.
1: I appreciate it. Enjoy being with you. Appreciate your work.
0: Thank you. God bless you.
1: Thanks for you. Melt
0: my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.